Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are starting the week on a bullish note. The Nikkei is up 2% despite news that the Japanese government is set to put Tokyo under a new COVID-19 state of emergency. Seoul and Sydney are both up more than three quarters of a percent. The markets are getting a boost from Beijing's decision on Friday to cut interest rates by half a percent. Joining me now to break down all the market action, good Monday morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle, and welcome back. Thank you very much. Now, it seems this past week, the market market narrative has really shifted. The number one fear of investors no longer seems to be inflation, but slowing economic growth. Now, we could see this most clearly in debt markets where long-term yields took a plunge. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note dropped to a five-month low, falling below one and a quarter percent Thursday before it did bounce back a little bit. So it seems, Ryan, that I go off air for vacation for a couple of days and the whole story changes. So (laughs) what's prompted the change in outlook? Fill me in. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got markets swinging back and forth. And just to give you an indication, bond yields are up nearly 45 basis points year-to-date. At one stage, it was as high as over 70 basis points. So that really reflecting how much has been priced in to a certain extent, that reflation trade. So in certain days, in in recent days, we've been seeing that narrative unwinding the reflation trade not as strong as the start of the year. And that suggests that some of the investors and market watchers out there are thinking the boom days are over. The best of the peak growth is over. So now we might be seeing some of the unwinding of those dominant trades, taking money off the table from the winners. And in turn, that could be seeing the money going elsewhere. And that seems to be fueling the recent rise in technology names, the likes of the big tech names, the FANG stocks, Apple, Alphabet, Google, Microsoft, many of them are at record highs. Apple and Microsoft at record highs for their share price, despite what we've been talking about in recent months, that we might see a shift or rotation away from growth names. That is not happening right now. So the narrative may have changed, but the fear of rising interest rates is still there as are concerns about the Delta variant of COVID-19. So if stalling economic growth is considered now to be a bigger threat than inflation, what does this mean for stocks? Which sectors are likely to be hurt and which should receive a boost? Yeah, you've got a couple of things happening in recent weeks to reinforce that. And that includes the Fed's recent meeting where they... We're looking out for two interest rates, high, two interest rate hikes come 2023. And then we had the meeting minutes where they suggested they were not as hawkish as what the market were looking out for. So they were more patient. They painted a rather patient tone in terms of waiting for more data. And I think the market started to read into it and second guess that the Fed might take a bit more time than they were initially thinking to move policies. So that also factored into the move away from the reflation trade. So in terms of winners and losers, typically when bond yields are up, you might see some of the banks doing well. So that is something to watch out for, depending on where the bond yields go. Inversely, when the bond yields go up, tech stocks don't do too well. So that's something to watch as well to see if we 
are going to see the rise in bond yields continue or start to fade. So that's mm-hmm. why the inflation numbers that are coming up from China and in the US are very closely watched these days. All right, crazy week. Uh, let's take a look at the week ahead now. Earnings season is upon us. So what should we be looking out for? Okay, so it will be busier than usual because the earnings season is going to kick off and that will start with the banks. The US banks will start tomorrow and that will see the likes of JP Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs. Then the next session, we'll see Bank of America, Citigroup and Wells Fargo followed by Morgan Stanley on Thursday. So in focus is all the talk about dividend payouts and share buybacks. Will they continue to talk it up and say it will be more promising in terms of an outlook or will they start to be more conservative and say that maybe we could see peak growth past us already. So that's something to be watching out for in terms of commentary. And if you look at some of the initial forecasts so far for the earnings season, we are looking out for a rather promising quarter and that is looking at the forecast for the quarter's profits for the S&P 500 to be up by 65%. Mm. But you have to bear in mind it is a bounce back from a low base. So mm-hmm. this will be led by industrials where we are looking out for a jump in profits of over 570%. So that is a low base effect at play there. And something else to consider is whether the um, valuations currently quite stretched in some sectors, do they support or rather do the numbers support those valuations? So if the numbers or the quarterly report cards miss the expectations, we could see more excuses for investors to take profit off the table. Quite a rebound expected for the S&P 500 led by industrials, which was, of course, the hardest hit by the pandemic in terms of sectors. Now, second quarter profits are expected to be up 65% overall for S&P 500 companies as compared with a year ago. U.S. companies mired then in the depths of the pandemic. 65% profit growth. Still such an eye-popping figure, isn't it? What else is on investors' radars this week, Ryan? Well, at least on my radar, it's all about China. And that's because over the weekend, we had more regulatory pressure on those big tech names and pretty much any company with a platform to collect data. So Mm. the latest is the Chinese cyberspace regulator says any company with data for more than 1 million users must now undergo a security review before listing its shares overseas. So it's all part of a broader clampdown on how data is collected, how it's used, and they are a bit concerned on how they these companies with a lot of data might be indirectly or directly controlled or manipulated by foreign governments after overseas listings. So in a way, also discouraging them from going to the likes of Wall Street or even Hong Kong and pushing them to list domestically. Mm. So a bit of... Uh, political and economic um, play here. It is time now for Up or Down. That is our little mini-game show that we wrap into this segment. And for those of you who may have forgotten how this works, really, I name an item, maybe an asset in the news, and then Ryan tells us which way he thinks it's going, up or down. Um, And then he shares a couple of reasons why. So, Ryan, are you ready to play? Let's go. Richard Branson. Oh, that'd be an up for me. High up. Up, up and away. It's (laughs) gone where no billionaire has gone before. (laughs) Into space, and he has gone one up over Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, uh-huh. who is planning another trip 
in nine days. It is a race to space. So Richard Branson, so high. In fact, he was weightless just a couple of hours ago. After more than 17 years of development, imagine, and over a billion dollars in investment, Branson has beat Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos into space. Uh, here's an interesting fact I came across. While the Virgin Galactic craft went into space, it was officially a domestic flight, not an international one, because it took off and landed from within the United States. Imagine that. <laughs> it's a bit of nitty-gritty there. <laughs> and it's also not as high as what Jeff Bezos will be going for because um, of what is being defined as space. So you've got different people defining space as different heights. So some people saying no, um, Richard Branson's height was not high enough to be called space. So maybe you could see some of um, his detractors. But if you go to his Instagram page, it is quite a sight. No, yeah, what do you what do on the weekend? Seen? I went to space. <laughs> All the pictures and videos are there. Can't beat that, huh? For a brag, braggadocious selfie. All right, uh, let's look at Microsoft. I would say it's an up, and that's because it is paying out a thousand. $500 to all its employees for sticking with it over the past year as a yeah. bonus, mm-hmm. post-COVID-19 bonus. I definitely see that as an up as well. Also, Microsoft is reportedly buying a San Francisco-based security software maker called Risk IQ for $500 million US dollars, and this deal is expected to be announced in the next few days. Next, Sydney. Well... I would say it's up for the wrong reasons. The number of COVID-19 cases is going up and it has seen the daily tally at Mm. its highest on Sunday, 77. And projections are for it to soon top 100. So, of course, Sydney, alongside many uh, places in the neighbouring areas, are in a lockdown. And in line with that, the Australia-Singapore Air travel bubble slash corridor is not likely to happen until earliest end of the year. So that is the latest we have on that front. Another air bubble casualty, right? Because of Australia's rising COVID-19 cases. So it's down for me when it comes to Sydney. And Sydney's COVID-19 lockdown unlikely to be lifted next week as planned. This lockdown is estimated to cost Sydney some one billion Australian dollars every week. Imagine that. I miss Sydney. Really do. Next, uh, we're now in the second half of 2021. And as we look back, the first six months were pretty quiet for new listings here in Singapore. In fact, there were only three listings and two of them were companies making a return to the Singapore exchange after a period of being privately listed. So how does the Singapore exchange's performance in terms of IPO compare to other markets? Yeah, you pointed out three listings. So that is pretty much, in terms of funds raised, a drop of 53% for the first half of this year, 2021, mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to the same period last year. So a drop of 53%. Compared to Southeast Asia, which saw a rise of 28% in terms of IPOs. Uh, numbers um, for the first half was 59 compared with 46 in the prior year. So a bit of change or disconnect where you are looking at Singapore versus the rest of the region. And maybe things will pick up from here because we are looking at a lot of um, interest with the spec rules that might come online if the 
proposals are passed. So something to look out for down the road. The politics in the first half of the year may have been difficult for Hong Kong, but the stock market over in Hong Kong is thriving. Five blockbuster IPOs of mainland companies, including TikTok rival Show Technology, raised some 26 billion US dollars. And while IPO proceeds in Singapore are down by more than 50%, funds raised over in Hong Kong are up by just as much. Interestingly, though, shares of the Singapore exchange are outperforming those of the Hong Kong exchange. SGX shares up 20% since the start of the year, while the share price of the Hong Kong exchanges and clearing up 15%. Yeah. All right. If we take a look at other stocks listed on the Singapore exchange, what sort of themes do you see in terms of those that perform best during the first half of the year? Yeah, the Hong Kong angle is interesting because of what's happening with the US-China front. That is something that's directing a lot of those secondary listings to Hong Kong. If you look at what's happening in Singapore, a couple of themes are playing out in the first half of the year or have played out. And that is off the back of the reflation trade where those names which might benefit from the economy reopening are seeing a bit of a lift. And that is with Yang Zhijiang Shipbuilding leading the way mm. for the first half of this, this year. It's up 52.1%. And no surprises, the three local banks also among the top 10. You've got DBS returning 20.5%, OCBC 20.4%, and UOB 16% for the first six months of this year. And Singapore Airlines also there in the top 10, even though in recent weeks it's been giving back some of those gains. It's up by 13.3%. And also a few value unlocking plays mm-hmm. to continue watching. Semcorp Industries is up 27.5%, number two for the STI. And Semcorp, of course, pivoting to a greener portfolio. So something that's quite fashionable these days. Indeed. And uh, speaking of the SGX, our colleague over at the Business Times, Ben Paul, has written a great article in today's paper, I have to say, about how restructurings and dividend hikes have helped boost Singapore stocks. You might want to read up on that too. Okay, Ryan, uh, so I was on leave for a little over two weeks, not long enough in my opinion. While the global narrative may have shifted, it looks like I didn't miss much in terms of action on the Singapore exchange. So just before I took a break, the STI closed at 31.19. This past Friday, it finished 12 points or a tiny fraction of a percent higher at 31.31. I'm hoping that uh, my return to the airways will give the STI a boost. So what's the verdict? How's it doing? Yeah, things don't move when you're not around here, Michelle. (laughs) So hopefully we get some action this week. And looking at the action on Monday, let's take a quick look. You've got markets, well, across the region, actually starting on a good note and that is off the back of a record-setting session on Wall Street last Friday. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, looking at what's leading in terms of region, Japanese markets are up by nearly 2% and back home, the STI pretty much in line with a gain of 0.7% so far, 3,153 and a quick check-in on the STI, pretty much green across the board. Just two names in the red. Phases Logistics and Commercial Trust is down by 0.6%. Hong Kong Land down by 0.2%. At the other end of the table, the banks are leaning away. UOB is up by 1.7%, followed by OCBC up by 1%. DBS up by 0.8%. And I think it's going to be worth watching the likes of Sankop Marine. It's down by 1.6% so far at 12.1 cents and this morning looking at his SGX fouling it has given a bit more detail on its profit warning and that is around 
potentially further costs. And this will be due to provisions for work rescheduling, extra subcontract work, additional material usage, and other staff turnover-related expenses. On, this is on top of his previously flagged issues like delays in project execution and manpower pressures. So all that means SamCorp is expecting its first half of this year to see losses that will equal the entire FY 2020. And that was last year at over $580 million. Sobering note. Um, Meanwhile, though, Asia-Pacific stocks really bullish and we'll continue to track all the market action for you here on Your Money. Coming up, Head of Investment at Provident, Cheng Chai Sern joins me. We take a look at uh, US stocks regaining ground last Thursday. Are we likely to see more pullbacks, though, on fears that uh, central banks are going to have to act to contain inflation? And we'll also take a look at, uh, you know, it was the biggest nickel trading scam here in Singapore. Could there have been some red flags that investors could have spotted. We're going to find out with Chai Sir. That's coming up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.